Good morning. Welcome. It's good to see everybody again, and welcome to Grace. I'm Jerry Strait, and uh, just thought I'd introduce myself if you haven't seen me in a while. Felt like I've been gone, but whenever we miss a week, it's always exciting to be back. So if you have a moment and look in your bulletin real quick, we're going to do a call to worship this morning together. And so it's a responsive call. So I'm going to ask if you would take a moment, stand with me, and be ready to turn in your hymn book to hymn number 218. We're going to open with a song of angels from the realms of glory. But if you would, please join me in our call to worship. Praise the Lord. Praise, Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I hope you got a bulletin as you were coming in. If you didn't, uh, feel free to go out into the foyer and have one so that you can participate along in our service. If you're here visiting with us, we're glad that you're here. There's a blue card somewhere, usually along the aisle of the pew that you're sitting in. It would be helpful if you would fill that out if you're willing and uh, at least let us know how to contact you. We do a lot of our information through email. And if you give us an email, we actually send out the bulletins and information and weekly events. And it's a great way for you to be able to keep up uh, even before you get here on Sunday, just in case you miss something. And so we encourage you to give us that so we can at least appreciate you being here and let you know how much we want you to return and worship again. If you have the announcements, there are most of them printed ahead of time. You can read them. We also have on the screen in the foyer. Uh, for those of you who have children with you, you know you're always welcome to be a part of our worship. We love family worship together. Uh, but if you do need to leave, there is a screen in the foyer that still shows everything so that you can still hear and be a part of everything. Our plan is to also do that in the nursery. We've moved the nursery upstairs, as you know. We're just now waiting to hook the next computer up, and that computer ties right in so that you'll actually be able to watch the service while you're in the nursery, not just listen. And so uh, pray for us as we make these adjustments as we go forward, but it's always exciting that the Lord is bringing us families and children, and we want to do what we can to minister to your family as well. Also, I've been asked to mention this coming Saturday is our men's breakfast. Men, we encourage you to come. It's one time that we can gather together, not just uh, for a meal, but to have someone share with us. This coming Saturday, it's going to be Phil Mahaffey. If uh, you don't know Phil, he usually plays guitar with us up here, and his wife Karina, they teach in our preschool class. But they're going to be going uh, on a, a little mission journey up in the front. They're praying about where God is going to send them. Uh, they've been accepted through Mission to the World. And so they're praying about going and serving faith in the Lord and whatever his will is. But he'll be speaking to us this Saturday to fill us in on what it is that God's doing in their life. And, and hopefully how our church is going to be able to be a part of that as well. So please, men, come. If you don't normally come, you're still welcome. You don't have to be a member of the church to be there. We have a lot of guests, but just come and fellowship for breakfast. We do ask if you're coming, if you can, sign up online. There will be a sign up online. It at least lets us know how many are coming so the men know how many meals to prepare and what to provide for. So please be in prayer about that as well. And then lastly, let me just say this. Uh, if you're buying flowers, they're $15 poinsettias. Christy's already ordered, I think, 100 of them. So we need to come. Just kidding. It always seems like that. Uh, she'll kill me for this. But uh, if you would like to buy a poinsettia to help us, we decorate for Christmas. They're poinsettias. We get them. They bring them in. Many of you want them. They're $15 a piece for poinsettias. So if you want to buy 10 of them, that's $225. Um, 
there's always a commission. There's always something that goes with that. But uh, you figure it out. If you want to buy a flower, please, it's a wonderful way also. But if you need more information, Christy would be the one to call at the office. She can explain everything and how that works. But you can buy those. And then we ask after the Christmas Eve service or the following Sunday, you can take those home and, and have those in your house. Now, if you're not here those weeks, um, we won't give them away to someone else. We'll hold them for a week or two, but uh, they're not designed to stay here. So they're yours, you buy them, and then it's an opportunity uh, for you to have them as well. So several things that you'll see there. I'll let you look through the announcements, the rest of it, but I'd like to take just a moment to lead us to the Lord and bring us to the throne of grace. And then if you would, join me in the Lord's Prayer together. If you're visiting with us and don't have that version of ours that we use memorized, then it's inside your hymn book on the front cover. You're welcome to follow along with us when I invite you to pray with me. But let me lead us to the throne of grace. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your love. Father, as we share Advent season together, as our families and the church come to introduce themselves and lead us, Lord, it's all to focus on what you've done. Lord, we gather together weekly as you've asked us. We've set aside the things of this world. We've made an intentional effort to put you first. Lord, we want to bring glory to your name. And as we gather here this morning, Lord, cleanse our hearts. Clear our minds. Let us spend just a short time setting aside all the hustle and bustle. And let us focus for just a moment on what it is you've done for us, how it is that your son, Jesus Christ, can bring us peace. Lord, I do ask that you forgive us of all of our sins and all the times that we've fallen so that we can prepare our hearts to not only worship, but that we can also come together as a body to the throne of grace, praying as you taught us, saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's always a blessing to have others in the church. And I know many times we don't get to meet everybody right away, and sometimes you can come for quite a while without being known, but we have a special family that's been with us a while. They've been a blessing in so many ways, but we've asked if the Bedminsters would come, and they're going to lead us this morning. I'll let them introduce their family, and they're going to lead us in lighting the candles. So if they would please come and lead us. Good morning. Hi, I'm Wally Bedminster. This is Cynia, Elisha, and Caleb Bedminster. As we continue our Advent season and the lighting of the candles of hope, peace, joy, and love, we are drawing closer to the time when we recall Jesus' birth as well as his second coming. May the Lord use this season to draw you and your family closer to him. Today, as we relight the candle of hope, we are reminded to trust that Jesus is our only hope. This morning, we also light the candle of peace. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus says in John 14, verse 27, Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. 
not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It is our prayer that through this season, you will trust that Jesus is our peace. Thank you for that. What a blessing it is. And we pray this morning your heart will be prepared as Nick brings us a message on peace. Throughout scriptures, we find many prayers of those who have come to the Lord and have brought their hearts to him. This morning, as we pray, I ask that you focus not on what others are saying or if we've said it right, but that your heart can be cleansed and ready for worship. And so if you would, pray together with me our confession of sin. Spirit of God, come bend us, break us, till humbly we confess our need. Then in your tenderness, remake us, revive, restore, for this we plead. O breath of love, come breathe within us, renewing thought and will and heart. Come, love of Christ, afresh to win us, revive your church in every part. O heart of Christ, once broken for us, tis there we find our strength and rest, our broken, contrite hearts now solace. And let your waiting church be blessed. Amen. As we seek so many places of assurance in our lives, we find them throughout Scripture. And here in Samuel, we are told, And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You've all done all this evil. Yet you do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. For the Lord will not forsake his people. For his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Our prayer this season, more than anything else, is that you will come to know Jesus Christ more than you ever have before. And you may be seated, and I'm, Brother Nick's going to come. Uh, let me explain a few things some have asked as Nick comes. I know last week I saw Phil. I was able to watch him. I hope you have a chance to see it if you weren't here. Phil is one of our seminary students who's graduated and obviously seeking to be ordained, so he took the week of hope. Nick is taking the week of peace. I'll be doing the week of joy next Sunday. And then Steve Meyerhoff, our pastor for 15 years who is here, will be doing the sermon on love the, right before Christmas. And so we've tried to incorporate all of our pastors to be able to be a part of Advent. And so we appreciate your patience with us, but we look forward, Brother Nick for peace. All right. Well, good morning. I invite you to turn in your copy of the scriptures, if you have one, to Ephesians chapter 2. As you're turning to Ephesians 2, just a reminder that this is the second Sunday of Advent, where we're giving special attention this time of year to the Lord's first coming, to the reason why he came, and to our certain hope that he's coming back again. As you heard Last week, we heard from ruling elder Phil Mahaffey about the hope we have in Jesus. We learned that the hope that we have in Jesus is not wishful thinking, but it's a certain hope, and it's based on true reality. He is our hope in a hopeless world, but this morning, we're going to think about another truth, which is the peace of Advent. So I invite you to read along with me, Ephesians Chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. This is God's word. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, 
which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's pray once again together. Our great God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that this is now time to hear your word preached, to think about it, to think about what it means for our lives individually as a body as we think about our community. So help us, Holy Spirit, in this time, and we pray that you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, at first when I thought about peace, I thought about the different songs that refer to peace that we tend to hear this time of year. I finally allowed for myself to hear Christmas songs. As you may know, Kirsten likes to start listening to Christmas music long before I do. But Thanksgiving Day has come and passed, and now it's free game. I'm ready to listen to it so I don't get uh, tired of it too quickly. But here are some of the songs that we think about when we think of peace. We think of Away in a Manger or A Little Town of Bethlehem. We think of the peaceful night. Everything's quiet. Maybe we think about snow falling, and it's kind of peaceful. Or we think of the song Hark the Herald Angels Sing where we hear of peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. I know we'll be singing that later on this month. We didn't sing it today. Uh, And those are kind of, those are older songs, but then there's a somewhat more recent song, not so recent, but you probably heard it, the song Someday at Christmas. This one is by Stevie Wonder. It's from 1967. And I know that some of you were alive in 1967. And... If you were alive at that time, or if you've heard stories about that time, it was not very peaceful, right? Mid-60s, late-60s, uh, unrest, protests, assassinations, there was a lot going on, and not unlike today. But here are some of the words of the song. Someday at Christmas, there'll be no wars. When we have learned what Christmas is for, there'll be peace on earth. Someday all our dreams will come to be, someday in a world where men are free, maybe not in time for you and me, but someday 
at Christmas time. We hear even in songs that are not perhaps explicitly Christian Christmas songs this hope, this desire that there would be peace. Even our friends who are not Christians, our neighbors who uh, don't share the same beliefs that we do, they look around and they see wars. They perhaps even look at their neighborhood and they see people in conflict, or they even look in their own families, or even in their own homes, and they think to themselves, this is not the way that things should be. There should not be all this conflict, and that there should be peace. And then people think about these images of Christmas, again, like I said, the, I don't know, the snow falling down, and a quiet Bethlehem, and they think this is what uh, they want. So there's something going on there. But what we want to do as Christians is hear what God, God's word has to say about peace. And I'm here to tell you that it is way more profound than a quiet, cozy evening or a long winter's nap. It's more than that feeling you get from a warm, warm cup of hot cocoa or as Phil pointed out last week, the cup of peppermint mocha or peppermint latte. Uh, today, I want to distinguish between the peace that our world thinks about from the peace that Christ brings to us. So the main idea this morning is Jesus is our peace with God and with others. And because of that, we can live together as a family. Not a family that tolerates each other, but a family who, out of affection, out of sacrificial love, out of a recognition that our sovereign God has brought us together as a family. From however far he has brought us together, we are here together as a family. And as we look to Jesus, we find that motivation, we find that encouragement, we find that love to experience this life as a family. So first we're going to look at what it was like before peace came. This is verses 11 and 12, and these verses speak about barriers, the barriers that existed before. And this is a call to remember. You see it twice in these first two verses. Therefore, remember, and then remember that at one time you were separated from Christ. Before I get into much explanation, I want you to think about maybe conflicts that you've had in your life. Maybe times when you've not got along with others. And sometimes our conflicts come from having a high opinion of ourselves, having a high opinion of our opinion. And we, we forget that we too are sinners. We forget where God has brought us from. And we... we Imagine that we stand in this high position over someone else. We look down on them. We wonder, why won't they get it? Why won't they recognize this? And in that moment, we've forgotten where God has brought us from. So that's what we need to remember. This is what Paul says to us. And he's speaking to these Christians, these former uh, pagans that have heard the gospel and have come to Christ. So he's speaking to them, and he's speaking about their relationship to um, the Jews. So he says, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh 
called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. So this was that sign that was given to God people that distinguished them from other nations. This was special, represented God's covenant. It represented the promise that God had given to his people, all these wonderful things that God was going to do for Abraham, to give him a land, to make many peoples come from him, and to bless the world through him. And in the Old Testament especially, this was a very big deal. We even get a hint of it when you think of the story of David and Goliath. David goes there to go bring assistance to his brothers, and he hears what's going on. He hears about Goliath. He hears him taunting the armies of Israel. And do you remember what David says? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David was like, what is the audacity of this man who would defy the Lord, who thinks that he could say something like that without repercussion? You've got the armies, you've got Saul cowering in fear, and God gave David this gift of faith in his word to see, this guy can't do that. This guy is outside of God's covenant. This guy is living along with his pagan friends however they want to outside so this was a big deal to them but in an interesting way Paul marginalizes or lowers the value of this right because things have changed he speaks of it in human terms this is just something done by hands this is something that some of the Jews at the time would look down on others, but Paul is saying that God has brought these Gentiles into his family, that this, is, this marker of the past was uh, something that separated, but no longer. But this is what they were called. This is how they were viewed by God's people in the Old Testament. So that was their classification. But what was this condition of the Gentiles? Paul gives us this in five parts. I'll go through them quickly. He says that before they were separated from Christ, they were alienated from the commonwealth or citizenship of Israel. They were outside. They were strangers to the covenants of promise. In other words, all of these promises that God's people in the Old Testament grew up learning, they didn't know about these things. Sometimes Israel's neighbors heard what God was doing among his people, but they were only rumors. These were not promises given to them. Paul says that they had no hope. This is what we learned about last week. People outside of God's community in the Old Testament, they had no hope because they didn't have these promises. They didn't have this special relationship with God. And they were without God in the world. Now, it was possible in the Old Testament for Gentiles to join God's people. You could convert, but then you, you uh, would be circumcised. You would then take on all of the, the ceremonial obligations, all these things. You basically had to become a Jew in order to be a part of God's people. But God says that something has changed 
but don't forget where you have come from. As much as you enjoy many blessings now, namely, if you are a Christian, if you are in Christ, you have all these wonderful blessings. You have a, a relationship with God. You have a place in the family. But don't forget what you used to be. Don't forget the way that you started. And be thankful. It changes the way you look at yourself. It changes the way you look at others. It changes the way that you approach God when you come to him in prayer. That you didn't bring yourself into this position. But God in his grace brought you into a position, position with him and into his family. And even when we think of the church, this is a place where none of us deserves to be. But God in his love brought us here together. And that is a wonderful thing. So that's what Paul wants us to be thinking about. He wants us to think about what it was like before peace, before the peace of Christ came and these barriers that existed between Jew and Gentile. But secondly, we are now brought near. We are now brought near by what? By the blood of Christ. Verse 14 says that Jesus is our peace. Backing up, verse 13. But now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is the transition. As far away as the Gentiles were, all these barriers that existed that kept Jew and Gentile separate, now in Christ, you've been brought near. We've been brought into a relationship with God and with others. So Jesus is our peace. Not our politics, not how much money we have, not our hobbies. It's Jesus that brings us together. The false peace of the world is peace that is based on similar interests. Nothing wrong with it in and of itself. And sometimes in conversation with others, we talk about our similar interests. That's totally fine. But don't stop there. We, you know, people say small talk, you know, it doesn't matter. It, it matters. It's a big deal. But the way that we engage with others, what we really want to experience with our fellow Christians is not talking about the Washington football team, not talking about the Washington Wizards. What we really want to get to is how are you doing? How are you walking with the Lord? How are things going in your family? How are you in your battle against sin? How can I pray for you? That is what makes us one, and we bring these concerns to Jesus. We share about how we came to Christ. We share about how God has worked in our lives. The deep desire of a Christian with another Christian is fellowship. And the deep desire that we have that I hope is what brought you here this morning is to sing God's praises together. I love it when we have that a cappella verse and you hear the singing. It's wonderful, and it's something that we all get to participate in. Not everybody gets to come up here and preach, right? But in Ephesians, it says, we are preaching, proclaiming to one another as we're praising God. So it's a big deal. So, yeah, I came here to preach and prepare, but don't forget that you came, you come each morning to preach as you sing, as you participate, as you pray. It's important. But it says that he has made both one. And this would be shocking. 
Again, when you're used to being separate, when you're separate from the surrounding community in so many ways, and this was the calling of God's people in the Old Testament to be different, distinct in so many ways, in the way that they worshiped, in the way that they dressed, in the way that they spoke, in all these different ways, and then all of a sudden, walls are down, and he has made the two one, especially if you're used to enjoying all of these blessings. It takes some getting used to. And we should acknowledge that when we come to Christ and come into the church, we bring in these different barriers that used to separate us from others. And we may need to go through that process of tearing them down in our own hearts, in our relationships with other people. And that doesn't always happen immediately. We believe as Christians that we grow in our faith. That when we come to Christ, yes, our sins are forgiven, but the Holy Spirit is progressively making us like Christ. And hopefully you can say that 10 years ago, you uh, were not as mature in your faith as you are now. Not just intellectually, that's part of it, but living it out. So, this wall of host- these walls of hostilities, Paul mentions and refers to the temple complex. complex. Remember, they had the the tabernacle that traveled along with them all throughout the desert wanderings, and then later they built the temple. And we're told by the scholars that this temple consisted, uh, I'm quoting from one commentator, so the temple consisted of a series of courts, each one a little higher than the other that went before with the temple itself in the inmost of the courts. So first, you had the court of the Gentiles, and then you had the court of the women, and then you had the court of the Israelites, and then the court of the priests, and then finally, the most holy place. And in the most holy place, if you know the scripture very well, only the high priest could go, and that only one time a year. So that was a big deal. But one new thing that I learned is between the court of the Gentiles and the other courts, there was this partition. We tend to think of the partition in the temple as the the temple or the, uh, where the Holy Holy was, where the curtain was torn down the middle uh, when Jesus was crucified. But there was this other partition between the Gentiles and everybody else that was a big deal. And we're told that if you pass through that, that you were basically taking your life into your own hands. So that was a big deal, and one scholar pointed out that this is what got Paul into hot water later when he supposedly brought someone who was not supposedly not circumcised through into the temple, and these were the charges that were brought against him that eventually led to his arrest and um, his imprisonment. So this was a big deal, and again, this... Dividing wall, now, Paul says, has been broken down. He has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Uh, Think of that word hostility. I don't want to dwell too much on it, but when we think of hostility, sometimes we think of like someone's like really angry face or angry words, but sometimes hostility is expressed in other ways. Sometimes it's expressed in silent treatment. Sometimes it's expressed in just abandoning someone. So we want to be humble and honest 
if um, we're holding on to this dividing wall of hostility, whether it's uh, with a family member, with a friend, with a neighbor, that as we seek to deal with the conflicts that we have in our life and we seek to remind ourselves of who we are in Jesus, who our fellow neighbor is, whether he's a Christian or not, that that person is made in God's image valuable to God and we should treat each other as such. But especially in the church, we have all this extra incentive to love and cherish and to seek reconciliation with one another. Paul goes on and says that he's done this, he's reconciled us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. The cross is a place where we find peace with God. This was the fundamental problem and the way that we all start out. We need to be reconciled to God. We've sinned against God. We thought that we could find happiness apart from God going our own way. And we imagined that it would have no effect on our relationship with God, and it certainly wouldn't affect our relationship with other people. This is the way that our culture thinks about indulging or participating in whatever habit, action that makes you feel good. What do we hear often? If it feels good, do it, as long as it isn't hurting anybody. But the picture that we have in scripture is that our sin, our disobedience to the Lord, it affected our relationship with him. It, it broke that relationship, but it also impacted our relationship with other people. Think about Adam and Eve's first two kids. Their, Adam and Eve's desire for the, to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil didn't just impact them. We saw the impacts on them, but it also impacted their kids, which is us. But think about this. He preached peace to you who were far off and peace to you who were near. This is verse 17. I think of the parable of the prodigal son. One son took the inheritance and went far away. He was geographically far away, and he was also living sinfully, living in a wild way. But then later in that parable, we see that son that stayed, even though he was close, geographically, in proximity, his heart was far from God. He actually held it against his father when the father forgave and welcomed back the son who had spent the inheritance. So let that be a reminder to you and to me that no matter if you're far away, no matter if you grew up in the church, no matter if you grew up in close proximity to all these promises, all these good things, uh, we needed to be brought into a right relationship with God. There's something that needed to change within us, and that is the plan that God is working out in us and through us so that we would be reconciled to one another. And this reconciliation, I also think about Peter. Peter, who was a part of preaching the gospel. And when God came to Cornelius in Acts 10, 
Cornelius, who was a God-fearer. He wasn't a Jew. A God-fearer was one who respected God, tried to follow God, but hadn't yet taken that full step to become a Jew. And God appeared to him and said, call for this guy, Peter. So the next day, God came to Peter in a vision. He was on his roof praying, and the sheet comes down with all these different foods and, and animals and foods, and the Lord said to eat. And Peter said, I can't eat these things. These things are forbidden. And what did God say? What I have made clean, do not call common. So things were changing. And Peter, through obedience to the vision, was able to preach the gospel to this household, and they came to faith. God was doing something new and bringing these people who had been separated and bringing them together. This is the peace of Advent, the peace of Christmas. This is the peace that I want us to think about. Look at verse 18 with me. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. It really jumped out to me because it, this is a beautiful picture of the Trinity. Through Jesus, we have access in one spirit to the Father. You see how very practical it is. Jesus is bringing us together. We're united in the spirit. We're in relationship with the Father. It's a beautiful thing. And it's this relationship between the persons of the Trinity that is working out toward us, moving out toward us through Jesus, and then we experience that relationship with others. So God has made us one. Remember your condition before peace with God and Christ. Be thankful for the peace that you have with God. Let go of the hostility and live out your calling together as God's family. Let it go because Jesus has killed that hostility. And ask God to search your heart. Say, Lord, is there hostility between me and another person? Is there hostility to people who are different than me? Is there hostility because of the different things that I mentioned? Politics, money, whatever, education. But finally, we see that uh, not only have we been brought near, but we're being built together. Verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So we're strangers no longer. I remember back to when I was in college at Moody Bible Institute, one of the things that all the students did was called a practical Christian ministry which meant each student had a ministry assignment in different parts of the city, whether it would be teaching Sunday school, whether it would be working in after-school programs. There were all sorts of ways for, I don't know, 1,600 students or so to serve in the city, which is one of the reasons why they're still there in the city is so that they can minister there. It's a wonderful thing. My first practical Christian ministry was with a group of three other students, and we were our task was to work alongside this church to do street witnessing to the students at Columbia College. Columbia College is sort of a, you know, kind of like an artsy school. They have a film program, and we would talk with the students as they hung outside and, and smoked and talked and did all these things. But the group of us, the, the, the team of four, we were an interesting 
group. So this one guy, Rob, had served in the Air Force, and uh, he had um, been honorably discharged and wanted to serve in ministry. So this was one guy, Rob. And then there was this guy, Matt, who was French. He was this tall guy with red hair. And uh, there was also this guy, Ben, from New Zealand. And then I was the local kid from an hour away. We were very different. We had different backgrounds, but the joy was that we were all united in our desire to serve Christ and to talk with these students about Jesus. It was a wonderful thing. So we're, we got to experience that we were no longer strangers. We got to experience that we were fellow citizens together in Christ. It was awesome. So we see this, but that the foundation, we're built on the foundation, this is verse 20, of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. This is what God has built together over time. The prophets were the Old Testament. These were the ones who were speaking for God, declaring his revelation. And then we have the apostles who were authoritatively telling us God's revelation, making for us the New Testament. And then what is the foundation of it all? Especially if you're learning the Old Testament and what it really meant. It's not merely stories of be like David or be like Daniel, but they're all pictures pointing to Jesus, is what we learn in Luke 24. So all these things we could learn from the Old Testament, if we look at them rightly, we look at the sacrificial system, we look at even who David was. David was a great king, although we know that he was fallen as well. It means that we need a greater David, who is Jesus who has come. So the Jews had their Old Testament and the prophets. We now, being brought in as Gentiles, know the New Testament. And they're all pointing to Jesus. It's all one book. And that's what, unite, what unites us together. One of the ways that I experienced the, um, the unity of the bond of peace in the Spirit is through our prayer meeting. Some of you participated in that. We have a prayer meeting every Sunday morning at 9 downstairs in the library. I know that not everybody can get here at that time, but it is a wonderful time. It is pure, coming before the Lord, bringing our desires before him, sharing life together. And again, that prayer meeting is not the only time that you could pray with one another. We're told in scripture that we should encourage one another daily as often as it is called today. I pray that the Lord's Day gathering that we enjoy each week is the, the jump start, the springing forth of our fellowship together throughout the week. And in a few moments when we take the Lord's Supper, that that meal would be just a foretaste of fellowship that we enjoy together um, when we're together as Christians. So we have something that happened in the past, Jesus coming, bringing us near. We've been brought into the family together. And then in verse 22, we see how we're being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. 
This is something that is happening right now. It happens as we worship the Lord. It happens as we participate in life together. We actually live it out. Sometimes we don't experience the full peace that Jesus has for us because sometimes we're, we're holding back. Sometimes we, we want to experience that peace. We say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I've trusted in him. But we, we don't always experience it. And it happens when we're together. It happens when we're intentionally together, moments like this, throughout the week, praying for one another, coming around God's word together and Bible studies, things like that. But the more we, we get together and the more that we seek the Lord together is when we experience our oneness in Christ. And I urge you to take every opportunity that you have, along with your other responsibilities throughout the week, to take time to reach out to others who can help you and encourage you. So what does God want from us as, as we conclude the message and move to the Lord's table? God wants you to believe what he says about you and your fellow brother and sister in Christ. And this is something that will continue all our life long. We forget things. We haven't yet learned things. But the more that we learn the truth in the gospel of what Jesus has done, those dividing walls are broken down. We experience that fellowship together. And as we do that, we become a picture of the peace on earth, these songs that we hear about. Again, we can go to our friends and neighbors and we can say, man, I'm not perfect. This church is not perfect, but we do love each other and we're working on loving each other better. And this is a place where you can be a part. This is not just for church people. This is a place where people who are far away from God can come. It's one of the barriers that our non-Christian neighbors feel at times, that I could never walk into the door of a church. I could never be one who sits and listens to the Bible. Now, God overcomes that when they hear the gospel and they have a desire to believe, a desire to repent of their sin. But again, that person isn't coming into an empty room. This person is coming into a room of people that have been redeemed. Whether they were in the church their whole lives, but inwardly were far, or if God brought you from a faraway place and brought you to himself, this is a place where you can belong and grow and glorify God together no matter what you've gone through. And this is a picture that the world needs to see. There's all sorts of opinions about there about the church. And we can't control often what goes on out there. God might give some of us that sort of influence, but what are we doing right now in our relationships? What are we doing in our church today to build these fellowships and encouragements and a community that loves the Lord and loves others and reaches out? Um, but if you're not a Christian, if you have tried to get along in your life without God and without Christ, I'm here to tell you that he will welcome you in. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you peace. I will bring you into a right relationship with God. I will help you to have a good relationship with others. Maybe you've been living in isolation and you've been afraid to come. Jesus says to come and come and enjoy this community and fellowship. Jesus is the one who reconciles us together. So this is the peace of Advent. 
Jesus coming, bringing us into a right relationship with God, bringing us into a family, one body together, that we worship the Lord by his spirit and we serve him day by day. So let's pray together as we move to the Lord's table. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this word, this beautiful picture of peace. Father, the peace that we have with you and Jesus and the spirit that is present and close and within us. Help us now as we come to the table to look to you, to listen to you, and to taste and see that you are good. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now step down here. And to remind you that this is the Lord's table. This isn't the table merely of Grace Church. Uh, we are an individual congregation, but this is a table where we come and experience this fellowship in a real way. The, uh, this is for those who have professed faith in Christ. This is for those who are able to discern the body, who know what Jesus has done. Now, you don't have to have a PhD in theology to enjoy this, but you've got to know who Jesus is and why he came. So if you are a uh, professing believer in Christ of this church, of any Bible-believing church, we invite you to come and participate. You may have felt convicted by what you heard today. I hope you did. I was convicted as I studied this week and of the barriers that I need to break down and of the relationships that I need to rebuild. But we don't experience that. We don't begin to do that in our own strength. We do that in the strength that the Lord provides, and this meal is a picture of the strength that the Lord gives us by his spirit. So don't fail to come because you feel unworthy. None of us is worthy. But we enjoy this meal, and we are fed spiritually through the gospel by God's spirit. So I will give thanks and then we will begin to distribute the elements. Thank you, Father, for uh, the bread and the cup that we have. Thank you for this meal that you provide for us. Uh, we pray that you would bless it. We pray that you would use it to nourish our bodies and our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first we will distribute the bread the officers will distribute it, and then we'll all take it together. As they're passing out the bread, let me read to us from 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup, after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. 
But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. As the elements are continued to pass around, I invite you to take some time to pray, to, to think about the Lord. If you aren't participating for a certain reason, I urge you to come to the Lord with whatever concern that you have. If you've never placed your trust in Christ, what a perfect time to come to him and to receive his peace with God and with each other. So please pray. Take some moments now to pray. Jesus took the bread and broke it, and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Let's eat together. We're going to distribute the cup. Now please hold on to it as it is passed by, and then we'll partake together. As the cups are being passed along, and read to us from Romans 12, which speaks about this high calling that we have in Christ together. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty or proud, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but live, leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. 
for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Again, brothers and sisters, we can't do that by ourselves or by our own willpower. It's the love of Christ. It's the grace of Christ that we experience when we come to him in faith. And he now gives us something to drink. We experience his grace, his peace. We are empowered and we are equipped to live out that high calling for us together. So let's partake and drink. Let's give thanks once again. Thank you, Father in heaven, for this meal that you strengthen us spiritually as we look to Jesus, as we long to experience more and more of that peace. Thank you, God, that we don't experience that merely alone, but we experience together as your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive now God's parting blessing to you and to me from 1 Thessalonians. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.